Hi, I am your host, Victoria Grinman, and you are listening to That Moment Heart to Heart Talk with Dr. Victoria Grinman. Thank you so much for joining. This is a talk to inspiring people who are contributing massively in the world and their stories of struggle to triumph. Thanks for joining, and here we go. Hello, hello, hello. It's episode 36 of That Moment Heart to Heart Talk with Victoria. And today I'm here with Kevin. Kevin, I don't even feel like we needed a pre-talk before <laughs> before this call because I feel like I'm just talking to a friend. Um, I'm so happy to be here with you. How are you? Uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm absolutely honored to be part of this talk and uh, hopefully connect with your audience and uh, add value in any way that I can. Yeah, you're awesome. You are awesome. So for everyone to know, so I met you um, because I reached out to you. I think what's been happening for me is serendipitously, I go online, you know, like when you're just kind of like going through your emails or social media. And I saw, I don't know if it's through the Tony Robbins world that we're connected, but I saw your video that you just do on your you know, social media. And you were talking a little bit about what you do and your story. And I just, I thought to myself, I need to connect with this guy because he not only has something to say and not only is his, his, his energy palpable, but there's something here that it definitely is growth through struggle and just you're, you're incredible. And then we talked and I just feel like I can talk to you forever. So I want, I want you to share with everybody because I can't do it justice. Like what, who are you? What do you do in this world? Um, I know you do a lot, but like what, what is it that you're up to right now? So, well, thank you very much for that lovely introduction. Uh, I think it's, there's so much synergy there and it really relates to everything that I've gone through in my life. Uh, I dealt with so many traumas as a young kid. I mean, I was bullied, but from two years old, I moved in with my stepfather uh, and he had a two year old son. Unfortunately, he got attacked by a wolf and it completely mutilated his face, ripped off his scalp and even took one of his ears. So as a young kid, he was really mean and angry. And me moving into his house, he took out every ounce of his aggression out on me. And as a young kid, I didn't really understand that. Uh, I thought the world was a really cruel, horrible place. I hated life. I was suicidal. I was depressed. And at about 10 years old, as soon as I got the chance to, I started numbing myself with drugs and alcohol. This is what really started to consume me. Uh, I had so much potential. By the time I even got to high school, I did just about every drug you can think of, and I was selling drugs just to support my habit. Uh, I played baseball and football, super athletic. I was in the honors class, but I graduated high school by the skin of my teeth. And I watched all my friends go to their dream colleges while I stayed home because I had this problem. Uh, add to that, at 18 years old, I got hit by a bus. I injured my neck and my back, and I got severely addicted to painkillers because I already had that predisposition to addiction already. And this absolutely consumed my life. Before I knew it, I was taking pills just to get out of bed. I dropped out of college. I went to work for the union, building high rises in New York City. And I needed my pills just to get through the day. I was working a career so I can afford my pills, so I can go to work, so I can afford my pills. It was this vicious cycle, and it completely took everything in my life away from me. Before I knew it, before anything happened, I was completely homeless. I lost every friend, opportunity, and my family tried to do an intervention that they saw on TV. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work the way that you see it on TV because it's a lot different. 
I reacted in a very adverse way. Mm -hmm. I basically told them to go themselves and I stormed out the house. I put a, put my safe on my shoulder and I, and I ran to my friend's house with tears running down my face. I was, I looked like I stole a safe. And when I got to my best friend's house, I told his mother what happened. I told her that my family hated me, that they didn't love me anymore. She let me stay that night. And that night I overdosed. They found me face first in my vomit, blue, completely unresponsive. The next thing I knew was I was waking up in a coma in the ICU three weeks later. I found out that I died three times during that coma. When I woke up, I'd hear the doctor say things to my mother like, he's not going to make it through the night. You better make arrangements. I'd hear them say, if he survives, and only if he survives, he's going to lose all four of his limbs, be completely brain dead, and he'll never be the son you once knew. He has 108 fever right now. His brain is frying. We have him on the ice blankets. There's really nothing else we can do. He has multi-organ failure. His liver, kidneys, lungs, heart, brain, completely shut down. My blood was toxic to my body. There's no shot in the world that I should be alive today. When I heard this, that I was going to lose all four of my limbs and be brain dead, this was worse than death. So when I started to pray to a God I didn't even know, begging and pleading for a second chance, praying, please, if you get me out of this, if you give me a second chance, I promise I'm going to make a difference. I promise I'll change. And for weeks on end, I didn't get no response until one day the doctor came in and said, I've got some good news and bad news. The good news is, I think you're going to make it. I think you're out of the woods. The bad news is, we're going to have to take your leg or you're going to die. Mm. This was a devastating experience in my life because every emotion you could possibly think of ran through my mind. Anger, resentment, frustration. But amongst all these things, I had to remember to become grateful. Grateful that I was still alive. That I still had a chance. Now, I battled in the hospital for four months. And when I got out, I thought the battle was over. It just begun. Because the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspect of what I was dealing with was way worse than the physical aspect. Yeah, I was 100 pounds soaking wet. I couldn't move my hand. I had just lost my leg. I was blind in one of my eyes. But I lost my whole identity. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know who I was. I had to start over from scratch. And it was a really, really devastating experience because I had to go through addiction. I had to beat the pills that they had me on in the hospital, which was absolutely devastating. I locked myself in my room for a, for a month because there was no way anybody was going to get me into a detox or a rehab facility after being in the hospital for that long. And when I finally beat that, the doctor, I went to the prosthesis office and I asked the doctor, Doc, how long do you think it's going to take me to walk? He said, well, it doesn't look good. It's going to take you two years to walk normally. When I heard this, I was so pissed off. Mm -hmm. I looked at him. I was like, no offense, Doc, but don't tell me what I'm going to do. I'll show you. I came two weeks later with just a cane. The nurses were blown away. They tried to grab me. I said, ep, 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 don't touch me. I'm going to do this my way. And then another two weeks, I came in completely unassisted. This blew the doctors away, and it even changed my mentality on my situation. Because I realized, don't ever let anyone ever tell you what you can or cannot do in life. 
Your only obstacles are your mindset and your faith. Beyond that, anything is possible. The last thing that I had to really overcome was uh, they told me that I was never going to be able to move my hand again. I had complete drop wrist. Mm -hmm. Just accept the fact that you're never going to be able to use your hand. It's going to be completely limp for the rest of my life. And I just wouldn't accept that. I didn't want to roll over and die and accept this fate. So I stared at my hand for nine months, talking to it every single day. Come on, we've been doing this our whole lives. Just move. For a long time, didn't move at all. And then one day, my finger moved. And that's all I needed to know. I started getting my finger to move, then my hand, then my wrist. Now I go to the gym every single day. I mean, I have 90% movement to my hand. And what I've learned is your, your biggest obstacles in your life become your biggest strengths. It's all about perception and paradigm. I could have, yeah, I could have been identified as a, a poor, crippled, disabled amputee. But now I identify as a one-legged warrior because that's more empowering. That's going to serve me. Mm-hmm. And everybody has that choice to make when they deal with some kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. And it can go the other way or it can go the other way. But it's the way that you go about the situation that really defines how your life is going to be in the future. Yeah. Wow. Um, I feel like I'm watching a movie. I feel like I'm watching a show, you know, and I'm listening to you talk. And you are sharing the story of so many people that struggle with addiction. And the story that you're saying about what happened to you and, you know, dying several times and going through all of that, it's, it's almost, it's hard to imagine all of this happening, you know, as sequentially as you're saying, because I can, if we could just go back for a moment. So I just want to, I want to talk about this because people might be listening, like I'm listening and thinking, okay, this guy has some mindset, right? Because to be able to get through and move past physical pain and physical addiction, right, um, is pretty, pretty significant. And I'm curious because I don't know, how would you have described yourself prior to all of these experiences? Like I know you said as a kid, you know, you I didn't know that about you. Um, I ordered your book, by the way, and I, we're, we're going to definitely talk about it, <laughs> but I didn't know that about you. Yeah. And what, how, how would you say you were different then in terms of how you are now regarding your mindset or how strong you feel in your conviction? Because that's a huge shift. It, it absolutely is. And that's really what the, determined my success in life at this point, because at that time, I was a victim. Everything was happening to me. Mm-hmm. It was a gray cloud over my head at all times. Oh, I'd say again, why me? Of course it happens to me. Who else would it happen to? That was my mentality. Mm-hmm. I went from life was happening to me to life is happening for me. Mm-hmm. Now that's a very subtle difference in words, but it's a huge difference in perspective because I see life happening for me to be able to seize the opportunity, to be able to utilize the good days, the bad days, whatever it might be, and transmute it into something freaking amazing. You know, I always tell my clients, embrace the bad days, Mm because those are the days that are making you stronger, wiser, faster, smarter. Mm -hmm. Those are the days of growth. Mm -hmm. Those good days, yeah, they're awesome. They feel awesome. You have a great time. You're chucking and jiving and all this stuff. But most of the time, you're not really growing. You're experiencing and you're enjoying life. 
But mm-hmm. those hard days, those are the days you need to embrace and cherish and value and really, really look at them and figure out what kind of gold you can get from it. Mm-hmm. Because those are the days that you really, really grow. You know, Kevin, for, for someone who's had such, I mean, you, you described your experience with, um, was it your stepfather? Yeah, um, yes, stepfather, stepbrother. Stepbrother. And how do you resolve that as a kid who, you know, requires certain, you know, you have certain needs, right? Certain needs of unconditional regard, you know, knowing that you're significant, knowing that you matter. And growing up in an adverse situation like that and going through what you went through, how do you resolve the radical acceptance of all that, the forgiveness of all that? Was any of that part of the process? Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life was forgive my stepbrother for what he did, how he treated me. I mean, I thought he was the devil. I, I, I thought he was the most evilest person on the whole planet when I was a young kid. I mean... If there was an antagonist in my life, he was certainly them. And it was the biggest obstacle in my life. Um, and I do a lot of self-development and, and inner work. And um, one of the, I, 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 at one time I was uh, studying with a, with a shaman and a medicine man. And they were teaching me, you know, um, forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. Mm-hmm. You forgive somebody to let go of that. You know, when you hold in a grudge, it's like holding a hot coal in your hand and be like, oh, I hope you feel this. They don't. You hold on to it. You're feeling it. You're letting them live in your head rent free. Mm-hmm. And when you learn to forgive, it'll open up your horizon. The way that I was able to forgive, he got arrested. He went to jail and he went arrested for selling guns and doing meth. And he had his own addiction problems because of his psychological uh, issues. Um, but he went to jail and nobody visited him in jail. And when I got the opportunity to go visit him, I did. Mm-hmm. And I did it a few times. And when he got out, he said, you know, I know we had our issues as a young kid, but I, I realized how good of a person you are and how much love is inside you. The fact that you put that all aside and you came and visited me. He's like, I'll never, ever forget that. Mm-hmm. He's like, I really know who you are, and I appreciate you. And we buried the hatchet. And in fact, I was right in the middle of writing my book, uh, and he actually uh, is featured in one of the chapters. And we talk about forgiveness and, and bringing it around full circle and explaining the whole situation of what happened in the book. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences ever because um, it just shows you, you know, I'm, I'm taking a course right now, something called some note. There's no such thing as a bully. Mm-hmm. It's true because if people that are bullies, they're not doing it to hurt you. It's because they're hurting. Mm-hmm. They're hurting in some kind of way, and they haven't figured out how to approach or deal with that situation. So they 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 act out in some type of way, and unfortunately, other people get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forgiveness was a, was probably the hardest part of my whole journey. Kevin, do you ever still feel like a victim? And if you do, how do you, you know, when those old mechanisms keep coming back because i know it happens to me i sometimes wake up and i hear something that feels like an old voice <laughs> like wait a minute you know and i talk to myself through it and i talk with that part of me right and 
I wonder, do you ever, does that ever happen where you wake up in the morning and you're having a bad morning or you're having a bad day and it just kind of like comes back? How do you deal with that? What's your strategy? How do you stay on point? You know, it happens a lot. I'm not going to lie. When I have to wake up and I have to put my leg on in the morning just to go to the bathroom, I can't just hop out of bed like every other person. There's three or four extra steps for me just to take a step out of my bed. The fact that I have really bad neck and back pain and I deal with this on a daily basis. And I always say, why me? Mm -hmm. I try to, I try to realize a few things. One thing is always, always keep your eye on gratitude. Gratitude is such a healing power, such an energy. It's such a transformable energy out there. It's being gratitude, no matter what it is, there's always something to be grateful for. And I used to say, why me? And sometimes I even get stuck in that. Why me? Now I try to remember, why not me? Mm -hmm. God created me to be this strong. I can handle this burden. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use this for something powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, it really, really comes down to that. And one of the big things that I've learned through my reading of hundreds of self-development books is the power of responsibility. You know, everybody thinks responsibility is an obligation. I'm responsible for this or I'm responsible for that. Responsibility is a position of power. The word responsibility, the root word is able to respond. That puts you in the driver's seat of your life. That puts you on the captain hat to be able to make the decisions and navigate through your life however you want. But the first step is to claim 100% responsibility for your situation. And I, when I realize that and I put that captain hat on and I sit in the driver's seat of my life, I'm no longer a victim. But I do fall into that a lot. But I have to remind myself of gratitude and owning owning my situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed, but when you were just speaking, you said you have to be gratitude. And I think you meant be grateful. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when you said it, that's actually how I think about it, which is to be gratitude, gratitude. right? To like actually be that in the world. And I, I think that it was perfectly said um, because that is an embodiment of, you know, really being able to appreciate um, the things. And I think it's, it's like the opposite, right? Like it's the, almost the antidote to um, fear. It's the antidote to all of these different things that we're talking about. You know, I, I wonder, and I want to talk a little bit about addiction because I think that so many people, whether it's sex addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, um, so gambling. I mean, so many different kinds of addictions out there and addictions to feelings. So it doesn't even have to be a substance so much as an addiction to an emotion, because when we struggle with letting go of a relationship that doesn't work anymore, that's an addiction to, you know, this dynamic, right? So addiction is rampant and addiction doesn't just touch the people that are actually in the process of being addicted, right? The addiction touches all the people that those people are connected to who love them, who are impacted by them. And I wonder how have your relationships shifted? Like what, what does that world look like? And how did you regard people before? And how do you regard them now? And how do you, like, what are your relationships like? Excellent. That's a great point. I just want to, before I answer that question, I want to touch up on what you said about there's so many different uh, addictions out there. The fact of the matter is we're all addicts. Every single one of us on this planet are an addict. We're all addicts of pleasure. This is the way that we're wired. We want dopamine, serotonin, however we get it. Just because your favorite flavor of pleasure is different than mine does not make you any different. Yours might be a little more healthy. 
but we're all trying to obtain pleasure and avoid pain. And we've, to, we've, to, we've learned that about in Tony Robbins as well. But it's all about that. It's all about obtaining that pleasure and avoiding pain. And that's why we're addicts. Because we're either trying to run away from our pain or obtaining a pleasure that we've learned. But people have different fla favorite flavors of, of pleasure. And that's and that's okay. But some are a little more destructive than others. So I, after I just wanted to put that in there. But after that, uh, my relationships have been amazing. Because uh, A, I, I respect myself a lot more. And other people respect me a lot more than when I was using and I was abusing and I was doing all these terrible things as a young man. But also I realized how precious life truly is. I never hang up the phone with my mom, my dad, my brother without telling them I love you. Because you never know if you're ever going to see them again. Mm -hmm. And it really, really strengthened our relationship. It, 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 it healed all of the broken wounds and all of the things that we were struggling with when I was using and I was destroying myself and, and bringing people down around me. Uh, and it's also made, I, I dedicated my life to helping other people struggling with addictions and traumas and insecurity issues and all things. I help people. I, I attract people that are tired of feeling broken. I'm a fixer. I'm a healer just by nature. That's just what I do. And the fact that I've taken this path, uh, my family's super proud of me. And, uh, and, and when I first started sharing my story, they were like, you know, do you really want everybody to know that you were a drug addict? I don't know if you want all of that exposure. I was like, yeah, I do want, because if it saves one life, one family from going through what I went through, then everything I went through, everything that I do is all worth it. And uh, just by owning my, my past and owning my present and really having a purpose and a passion has really, really magnified and exponentially grew the strength of my relationships personally. Now, I've always been alone. I'm, I live by myself. I don't really talk to too many people. But when I have engagements with people, whether they're friends, acquaintances, family members, they're so much more connected. They're so much more present. They're so much more meaningful. Because when you do drugs, it numbs out everything. It numbs out you know, your, your, your senses, your emotions, your mental, your spiritual, everything. It, it numbs it all out. Now I'm raw. You know, I used to never cry. I could watch a movie now and I could tear up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, have, I, I opened up another heart, <laughs> opened up another section of my heart that I didn't even know it was, it was possible. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm not numb anymore. I actually experience emotions and love and heart and feelings and all that. And it makes me more of a dynamic person. So I can definitely say my relationships have been exponentially better since I've gotten sober and I've uh, created this life for myself. Yeah. You know, Kevin, before we started, I did not ask the very important question of, are there any topics that are off limits? And so if, if there are, and you don't want to answer this question, that's okay. Just move, you know, let me know, let's move on. But I, I'm wondering, you know, during your journey, were there times where you relapsed, where you went back on what you said you were going to do? And if so, what was something that someone said or what was something that happened or what what actually got you back on the bandwagon? Like what got you back to, you know, um, being attuned to like what what your you know higher mission was? What was that? OK, so, yeah, that's a very good question, actually. So full disclosure, uh, I still drink alcohol. But the first few years that I stopped, I, first few years I got out, I was completely sober. I did not drink. I did not do anything. I drink on occasion now and then. You know, I'm not a big drinker or anything. But uh, I can handle that. doesn't lead to other things. Uh, but what I did learn in, in my journey is that I, uh, 
I had other addictions that I wasn't aware of. Uh, I had a, so somewhat of a sexual addiction when it came to pornography and things like this. And I didn't realize that was even an addiction until I started coaching and, and, show, and learning about recovery and learning about all these different things because it's about impulse control. Mm-hmm. And those things drastically hurt you if you use them in that kind of way. And um, it was just a, a journey of self 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 uh realization i also a few times in the last 10 years i've smoked marijuana i realized every time that i did that i don't like it anymore it's not something i enjoy at all Uh, i'm not against it i think it has medicinal purposes for some people if you're an adult if you're responsible and if there's something that you need to use it for to eat your own anything in moderation is okay marijuana is not for me but i do drink on occasion i'm not a huge drinker but i do drink and there has been times uh, where I've gotten a little too drunk and I was like, wow, I got to check myself and, and not do something like that. But yeah, I, on this uh, road of recovery, I realized that I was addicted to pornography and I had to battle with that. And I just can't watch it because it, it really brings out um, negative emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it brings out past thoughts and uh, kills my self-confidence and my intimacies and all of these different things. So that's something that I steer clear away from from now. So that was definitely I learned during my process of recovery about myself. Got it. Thank you so much for sharing that, because I think that I know actually that people watching definitely relate and hearing you talk about it. It's like them seeing themselves in you, which I think is super powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, what is something that you know, as you were going through this, and I like the way you said that it's a process of self-realization and self-discovery while you're actually going through it, right? Like some people think, oh, if you give your word, like you relapse, like that's terrible. But sometimes those moments of relapse are actually moments of self-realization and self-discovery around like your own strength, your own weakness, your own, you know, needs, you know, the needs that you thought you had or didn't have, right? So I think that's awesome. What's something that you wish you knew then that you know now, like in those moments of, you know, darkness, sadness, upset, like difficulties, struggle, what's something that you wish you would have known or, um, you know, had realized that maybe took you some time and you're really clear about right now? Well, the one, I mean, this is definitely, um, um, what's it called? Not a conflict. They, um, uh, a story, a, a topic of um, people that debate over this. I can't think of the word. People debate all over this. But one thing that I realized that's it's totally different that I wished from that I knew when I was in active addiction was I thought I was alone in this universe. I thought that there, there was no other spiritual higher power of any sort. So when I was going through it, I was going through it by myself. And I thought this whole universe was against me. And I didn't even really believe in a universe. I just thought we were here living and having a human function or whatever. But uh, I, I've had some extremely powerful experiences with God and and helped me overcome and 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 break through things and give me strength when I was weak. And it just, it's just amazing to have that uh, dynamic in your life, to have something bigger than yourself to help you when you're feeling down, to... To know, to believe in something bigger than yourself is a really powerful thing to have, especially with dealing with addiction. Because mm-hmm. even if you think of the 12 steps in, in NA and AA, they talk about um, submitting and realizing you can't do it on your own and knowing that there's a, a bigger power than yourself out there that can help you. And 
that's one of the most powerful things I've realized in addiction is knowing that you're not in it alone. Mm -hmm. And maybe you don't believe in God or the universe, but believe in something bigger than yourself. You know, G-O-D, the great outdoors, mm -hmm. yeah, whatever that might be to you. It's it's it, whatever it is, but just having belief in something outside of yourself pulls you outside of your self-centeredness. Because mm -hmm. when I was in active addiction, the world evolved around me. Mm -hmm. When you get that prideful and that egotistical and you're messing up that big, it's a very, very fast spiraling effect, snowball effect that goes straight downhill. And uh, it's no good for anybody. But yeah, definitely my faith has been something that really, really empowered me and, and picks me up when I feel down. Is it something that was in your life prior? No, actually, I was a complete, um, I was completely agnostic uh, before. I died in the hospital and I had a really profound experience in that coma and I, and I felt the presence of God and it was just a, a really, really incredible feeling. And I went on this seven or eight year journey of, 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 of finding. And uh, I went through everywhere. I looked at every corner of the world for it. And I was just, I was yearning for it, for truth. And to really just uh, experience that and have that in my life. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. And I read about all different religions and belief systems and practiced them and meditated and prayed every single day until I found, you know, my truth. And uh, it's been an incredible journey since then. Yeah. It's amazing. What, <laughs> um, it sounds like to me you're talking about is a sense of purpose and it sounds like you found it through a lot of self-discovery but for people who are not in the personal development realm for people who have no idea where to begin where would you tell them to begin like how do they even start what if they don't have a community of people or they feel they don't have a community of people or they don't have resources like how do they even begin to be on this road of discovery when they're so rock bottom so uh, let's just can we clarify this question a little bit so I can answer it properly. Uh, the discovery for what? Their purpose Their and purpose. something higher okay. than themselves. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of getting into quiet places and meditating and praying and all that stuff. But if that's not your jam, we uh, just lost a lot of viewers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of that too. And it's just funny because we start talking about quiet and meditation and being mm. with your own thoughts. I think people want to run. Yeah. Like that's scary as heck, right? That's where you're going to find your purpose. That's where you hear your thoughts. That's where you hear your soul. That's where you hear your mind and your consciousness. That's just where it is. That's where you got to find it. But if you're not into that jam, uh, I would suggest taking out a piece of paper and making lists. Make a list of all the things that you love. Then make a list of all of the things that you're really, really, really good at. And think of, make a list of all of the things that this world really needs. And find the crosshair section where all those three uh, lists meet. And mm -hmm. that's your sweet spot in life. That's what you're supposed to do. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, Kevin, I really like that. I'm going to do that right afterwards yeah, because I think a... that's really great. I mean, that's so practical and, and so tangible. What if someone says, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what if someone says like, I'm not good at anything. I've pissed everyone in my life off. I've given my word a thousand times and I've shown up to be a liar. You know, I don't know where to even... I don't even know what to put down. Then I would start at what makes you happy? Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy doing? What do you want to get good at? You may suck at everything, but if you love something enough, 
you're going to get good at it. There's no way. If you love something enough and your persistence, persistence is the key to success. You can be the worst. Like, for instance, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. Mm -hmm. And you know what? He took that as, you're going you're gonna to cut me? And he worked harder than every single person until he became the best basketball player who ever lived. Mm -hmm. Walt Disney got shut down by like 75 different newspapers because they told him he wasn't imaginative enough. The guy made Disney World. The guy <laughs> made Disney movies. He's the most imaginative person in the world. Persistence is key. If you love something, if you're passionate about something and you want something strong enough, there is nothing that can stop you. And I always suggest people to read the book, Think and Grow Rich, because it talks a lot about these dynamics and it's, a, it's, it's the Bible of success. Mm -hmm. You can study that book for 30 years if you want, and it'll change your life forever. You want to you want to find your purpose. You want to find what you find what you're passionate about. Find what will get you up out of bed every single morning. Something that you could do all day, every day, forever. Mm -hmm. That might be taking pictures of uh, ladybugs. Maybe <laughs> you'll start a ladybug uh, um, journal or blog or something like that. There's people that love everything. There's literally a, an audience for anything. There's yeah. a niche. There's riches and niches. Mm -hmm. You become now in this world of the internet, you are competing with the whole world. It's not like John, Sally, and Tom from your neighborhood, because there's the internet. There's no there's no value in generalized knowledge. You want to be the best at something special. Specialized knowledge is where the value comes from. Because everybody's got Google these days. But if you love something enough and you follow it and you live it and you breathe, sleep, talk, drink it, you will eventually become one of the best in the field. And that's where your passion and purpose comes from. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. And so when you work with people and you coach them, right? Mm. Um, how do you deal with, because, you know, being a therapist, many different kinds of people and different things that come up, how do you deal with lots of the naysayers and the victim mentality and how do you keep yourself built up so that you can continue to show up for the people that you work with well there's there's a few ways that i i have to fill myself up so when i first started coaching i did it for free and i realized if you do that you're always you're going to run out of juice and you can't pour into other people you need to keep your cup filled or else you're not going to be able to serve people. Also, what I do is I also detach from people's situations. I don't own their situations. I give them the tools and the resources and the encouragement to do what they do. That's why coaching is so powerful. It's not like, all right, do this, 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 and this. I guide them and I and I direct them in the direction so they could do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So if they don't get it done, that's not me. I set them up. I winded their winded their thing up. I winded their back up. And I pushed them in the right direction. And now it's up to them to do it, you know. Take that leap of faith. Build your wings on the way down kind of stuff. You have to do it yourself. That's what's so different from coaching than consulting. Consulting says, all right, do this, 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 and this. Coaching says, how can we make this work for you? Mm -hmm. What is inside you? What kind of resources, tools, ideas are inside of you that are worth a million dollars? And let's ha figure out how we can utilize them and help you do this on your own. So I don't take it personal when people don't succeed, but I do give people the inspiration and motivation to do it. Also, I make sure that I take care of myself 
physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so I don't get drained out. So I don't lose my oomph. And it can be very damaging because I hear so many horrible stories, especially my recovery uh, clients. I do empowerment coaching as well. I help people that are tired of feeling broken. It's not always about addiction. Maybe it's about insecurities, confidence, mental health issues, traumas. Something's wrong with them that they feel broken, and I help them feel whole again. I help people go from broken to badass. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really where I come from. But a lot of my clients are in recovery, and there's a lot of sad stories that come with that. But I tell people that they have all the answers inside of them, and it's up to them to create a life that they love to live. Right. I love that self-responsibility. My clients often say, why does it always come back to me, Victoria? I said, because it always comes back to us, right? We are 100% responsible. So I actually want to know, because we talked about this a little bit when we spoke, but I would like for you to share with everyone, what is your routine? Like, what do you do on the daily basis that keeps you um, grounded and centered and kind of coming back to what your purpose is? That's a good question. Well, uh, my routine, I have a morning and a night routine. I call it bookending your days. When I first wake up, the first thing I do is I drink a tall glass of water. I immediately make my bed. I get down on my knees, I pray, and then I meditate. Then I look at my to-do list. Then I come inside, I wash my face, I brush my teeth. I do a quick little workout, get my blood pumping. And then I look and then I figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of the day. I also make sure that I read 30 minutes before I go do anything. Before I open my emails, before I go look on social media, before I do anything, I read 30 minutes, whether it's uh, self-development or the Bible or something like this. I want to fill my mind with some kind of powerful knowledge to propel me in the right direction that day. And, uh, and then and same thing at nighttime. Before I go to bed, I write down the six things that I need to do for the next day. I have a gratitude journal. I figure out what three things that, that went right today that I could be grateful for. Uh, you know, I take my shower, I do my meditation, I do my prayer, I do all these different things. And then I start the day. And when you take care of the first two things that the end of your day and the beginning of your day, eventually through osmosis, they start taking over the rest of your day. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to stay grounded. I love every once in a while. I go out and I hug a tree. I mean, it sounds silly to a lot of people. Sometimes I put my feet in the dirt or the sand. You know, I'll go listen to running water, rivers, lakes. Just, just, just to get in touch with the, 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 um, the environment. I feel very, very connected to that. And I take some alone time. I mean, I live by myself. I'm, 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 I'm most of the time I'm by myself and, uh, I try to connect with something. Uh, mm -hmm. I also take care of myself very well as far as seeing friends and family. I always allocate some kind of time to either connect with somebody on the phone or in person, have a lunch, go hang out for a little bit because I need to take care of my own, my own mental health as well. Uh, I see my mother a lot. I see my brother a lot. I always go out to lunches and stuff like that. And I make sure that I connect with at least one person every single day, because sometimes you could forget that life is about the relationships that you create in your life. Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily about what you do all day uh, for work. And I love what I do for work, but you also have to have a balance in your life, you know, because true wealth is not about money. It's about having, being comfortable, having health, having relationships, having love, having all of those different things and having it all in a balanced set. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you have all the money in the world and all the relationships in your world, but you don't have health, what do you really got? If you have all the money in the world and all the health, but you got no relationships. What do you got? Mm -hmm. You have all the health 
You know, the relationships because you got no money. What do you got? Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about that balance. So I really try to uh, keep that in my life very, very balanced. And I've, I've done a good job doing that. So, yeah. I love it. I was actually going to ask, and I'm glad that you mentioned friends and family. Outside of friends and family, who do you choose to spend your time with? And how do you do that? And is that even a thing that you think about? Like, do you do you mindfully choose how you spend your time outside of your work, outside of your friends, your family? And if so, what's that process? I absolutely do. Um, because it's the truth. You are the culmination of the five people you hang out with the most. I try to hang out and be around people that I aspire to become. Excuse me. Uh, someone that I can add value to, uh, whether it be whether it be somebody in my professional field that I want to learn about, maybe help them with something. Uh, if, if it's somebody I'm dating, I want to make sure that it's somebody that I'm going to be able to bounce off energies and really uh, grow in some kind of way. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. So if it's not my family or friends or business, it has to be something that's worth the value. Mm-hmm. Whether it be just somebody that I find interesting, whether it be somebody that I can help. And I really like helping other people. So if it's if it's a if it's a good cause, maybe I, I go. Sometimes I go and we do uh, we we feed the homeless and we give them uh, clothes and stuff like that. Something that feels my, makes my heart feel good. You know, something that's going to add value. And I'm very very strategic on how I spend my time with because there's energy suckers out there and those people that will suck you dry. And uh, and and I just. I just don't associate with those type of people. So if they're friends and family, I love seeing them. If they're business associates, there's somebody that can add value to my life in some kind of way or some way that I can add value to them. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some kind of conscious decision for me to be wherever I am. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, sometimes I'll end up somewhere. I'm like, wow, I, I shouldn't be here. I got to get out of here. <laughs> you know? It happens very often. I just make the decision. I'm like, that's why I'm alone. Or I'll just leave. I'll just hang out by myself. Mm-hmm. So I try to be very, very aware of who I allow in my life and who I do not allow in my life. Yeah. Something that you just brought up for me is when you start to, I talk about this a lot with people actually, and I think about this for myself. I was just talking to my own therapist about this last week where we're sometimes so concerned with people abandoning us that we actually abandon our own selves and self-sabotage just to keep something going. Right. And I've, thought and realize how important it is to first think about not in an egotistical way so much as your truth. Like what's going on for me in this moment? Is this really creating joy for me? Is this really something that I want to be doing or a conversation that's bringing me enlightenment or helping another person? Or is this just something I'm doing to just keep something going because I'm afraid of, you know, not having it or not being liked, right? And this all kind of dovetails into what I'm kind of hearing from you and your energies, you know, just truth, like really living as authentically as you can. And of course, we all fall into moments where we go back into our behaviors that don't always serve us. But just keeping that at the forefront is something that it seems like you do that um, more often than not. Um, Yeah, uh, me having self-esteem issues growing up as a kid because of all the the trauma that I had. I definitely had the tendency as a kid to be that Mr. Nice Guy, the guy that does things for people because they hear about, about the abandonment, about people wanting to be liked, about all this. And I just got to the point in my life where I really don't care if people like me. I just want to like me, you mm-hmm. know? And, and when I find myself doing things for people 
or doing things that are not for my character, I try to check myself. I'm like, what am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. This person's not going to appreciate it as much as as much as energy is it taking me to do this. And I mm-hmm. really just didn't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Being inauthentic, I'm actually lying to this person by telling them, yeah, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, they're getting the wrong message. I'm getting, I'm not getting my needs met. So uh, I have to check myself, and it's really being consciously aware of who you are. Yeah. And what's serving you and do not. And sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes you do get yourself into a situation that you don't want to be in. And I'm not going to lie. I do get into sometimes a place like, wow, I should have never said yes to this. Now <laughs> I'm already committed. Now I got to do this. But I'm going to learn next time. This is not happening again. Got it. Well, I hope this was not one of those conversations no. that you said yes to. No, because- you're, you're an absolute pleasure. I hit it off with you when I spoke to you. And I, I was really looking forward to this uh to this call and uh, being able to connect with your audience and just have one of these conversations again. Yeah, this was really great, Kevin. I want you to tell everyone really quick, just your, your book, your book is out, it's been out. Um, and I loved actually hearing about your whole journey of writing it. So it's something that I found really cool, but can you tell us a little bit about it, how people can get it and why it's so important. And I actually think that it should be in every school because I think that it could really, um, it could really reach young people. But anyway, tell us a little bit about it. Excellent. Well, I'm going to do a little shout out right here. Yeah. This is my book. Mm-hmm. It's about Winning Against All Odds, Discovering the True Warrior Within by me, Kevin Parker. <laughs> right there. Right there. <laughs> so uh, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, I solely sell it on Amazon. Uh, and it's, there's a there's an audible version. There's a paperback version and there's a Kindle version. The Kindle version is very, very cheap if you want to, but I'll give you a free, a free copy immediately. If you text the word warrior to two, six, seven, eight, six, within 15 minutes, it'll send you a free PDF of the book. Uh, it's just a, a complimentary gift for showing up at episode 36. With my good friend Victoria here. And, uh, um, but yeah, you can find it on Amazon. And uh, if you ever want a signed copy, you can reach out to me through truewarriorsuccess.com, email me, and uh, we'll work some kind of Zelle or PayPal or however you want to do it, and I'll ship it out to you. It's a little more expensive because I got to do it, but I know a lot of people love signed copies of books, and, I, I, and I'm happy to do that for anybody that wants that. But yeah, like you said, I really, really want to get it in schools of every single high school across America. I truly believe if... If, the, if even the teachers made their students read this in the ninth grade, the amount of people that did drugs would drastically decrease. I mean, it's it, the, the impact that this book has had on people's lives is, is incredible. It's an international bestseller in three different countries. It made uh, number one in over 40 different um, categories. It's been incredible. I think it's five stars in Amazon, over uh, 50 people that uh, reviewed it. It's been a really, really amazing thing. And I'm I'm looking to actually uh, make a movie, a Netflix special out of it, trying to figure out how to go about doing that because more people watch movies than read books these days. So that's what we're trying to do. But we're trying to impact the young, impact the people that are struggling, whether it's addiction, traumas, insecurities, mental health issues. We all have that battle that we're struggling with that we need to win against all odds. And that's really what the message is all about. And I think you'd really, really enjoy the book. I love it. And I love the pride with which you share about the book. So many people are, you know, just a little bit shy talking about their successes. But I think not only is this a success, but I think that it's a really, really important story to tell. 
Um, you know, I told you about the show on Hulu called Dope Sick. I don't know if you checked it out, but I've been watching it. And, you know, for anyone out there who's watched it, it's all about the Oxycontin, you know, um, epidemic that that happened. And, you know, just you're right, you know, watching a show that is relatable and you're like, oh my God, like I, this is how it happened, right? Like this is, this is how, you know, it slowly progresses in our community. And I think reading a book like yours or watching it, you know, turned into a film or, or a series of some sort, I think can really put people in that spot and say, wow, I'm really dealing with that. I didn't even know that that's what it is. Or another person's dealing with that too. Let me look into that, right? And the more we know, um, the more we can do something about it. And I think it's great. I can't wait to see it, Kevin. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for being here. Anyone who wants to connect with him, um, truewarriorsuccess.com. And yeah, any last words for people that are watching? Anything? Um. Really, uh, I mean, I'm not that big on last words, but uh, really just if you're struggling with absolutely anything, reach out. Mm -hmm. Because there are, whether it's me, whether it's her, whether it's anybody out here, there are so many people that are willing to help. Don't struggle in silence because these things cannot grow if you, if you expose them to the light. But this is where suicide and depression and anxiety and drug addiction – they hide in the darkness. So if you're having a problem, say something, reach out to somebody. There are so many people that are more than willing to help. And if you're uh, struggling with addiction or you know anybody that is, um, I suggest you follow my Facebook page called Recovery Media. We have tons of free resources and tips and tools and all kinds of amazing things to help anybody that's struggling with that. I mean, we're connected through the whole country hundreds of detox, rehab facilities, recovery coaches, all of these different things. And we love to uh, help you in any way that we can. So thank you so much for this. Yeah, I love your message. We're all connected and you're not alone. Yes. Um, amazing. Thank you so much, Kevin. And everyone Absolutely. out there, I'll see you next time on episode 37. Um, and I'll see you all soon. Have a great day. All right, and that is a wrap. Thank you so much for joining my guest and I in this episode of Heart to Heart Talk with Dr. Victoria Grinman. If you found this inspiring, please share. And if you'd like to get in touch because you or you know someone who has a story from struggle to triumph that they'd like to share, please get in touch. www.growingkindminds.com. Till next time, have a wonderful day and trust your journey.